Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? This is T. Go to at Champagne Sharks on Twitter if you want to find Twitter or emails at champagnesharks at gmail.com. But most importantly, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks over there we have the free and the premium episode so if you become a patron you get that you also get the newsletter you get previews of our upcoming guests and you get a chance to um pose questions and actually today's guest like got a shit ton of questions for us, so it made my job easier and also you get access to the voice and chat discord server and we figured out that we can use a voice server in discord to make a call-in show uh i looked up how to do it because we we're trying to figure out how to do a call-in show for a while and it turns out discord can actually do that so what we're going to start doing is making live stream call-in shows using discord so if you become a patron you'll be able to call into the live stream so that's another thing you get 25 dollars a month by becoming a patron and without further ado uh we have our guest uh, felix buterman you can say hello and tell people who you are and where you're from Got it. Got it. Yeah. I, um, I'm actually surprised it, it, it took this long for uh, me to do champagne sharks. I, uh, well, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was waiting for, I was waiting for it forever, but I think there was just like, we, we had so many like tours and other shit that it's just like, it, it could never come up, but I'm happy to finally be doing it. Uh, yeah, I kept inviting you guys, but then like, I kept saying, oh, let's do it. But then you guys kept going on tour. Yeah, and exactly. First the book, first the book tour. And then, that one um, took so fucking long. Yeah. There was a book tour. Then you guys guys did some other ones with europe and stuff and i just stopped asking because i got will on i got will on yeah, before, yeah. It all, before it all started if i knew how bad the book tour stuff was going to be i would have like I, and i had matt slated to come on and then uh we couldn't do it for some reason and then the tour started again so i just said let me just wait until everything died down and i just kind of forgot after that yeah no way she goes sometimes that's like that has happened with us so many fucking times like where we're supposed to get someone on and it's just like yeah you uh just a million things happen and then you just basically forget to ask again yeah yeah but for people who don't know who you are let's oh yeah yeah so uh yeah i'm felix biederman i am one of the founding and still current hosts of chapo trap house we are i think the number one patreon still i don't know I don't know. Like, uh, somebody told me that, like, some Twitch streamer who, like, sells access to, a, like, private Snapchat or some shit beat us, which is, like, you know, okay, good for her. But uh, I, some people say we still are. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we're a political comedy podcast that started in 2016. We have written a best-selling book. And, uh, yeah, I think we're on episode number 421 now. So, yeah, that's... I also... Um, wrote and narrated the documentary fighting in the age of loneliness which is a documentary about the history modern history of mma i've written for uh deadspin uh washington post uh new york magazine some other stuff i'm probably forgetting uh yeah fighting in the age of loneliness that's on the internet is that sb nation on youtube it's like you just go to their YouTube and watch it. Don't have to pay anything. How hard was that? Did, did you have to learn a lot on the fly or was it easier than you thought? So the first like, and this is something I thought about a lot with how I wrote it. I really don't like how I wrote the first two episodes because I felt like I was more writing an essay. And it was only by the third episode that I sort of realized that I was writing narration for myself. If I could do it again, I would try to get in that mindset of writing narration more than just writing an essay. But around halfway through, 
I think it became a lot easier to do. The narration was very hard, and I actually, like, completely disagreed with their decision to have me narrate it. If I did it again, I would fucking absolutely hire someone else. I'm like, I don't consider myself, like, particularly good at it. I, I know that, like, I have a podcast and everything, but I don't really think it's my strong suit. Uh, I would definitely take a pay cut to have someone else do it for me. It was, it was, that was maybe the hardest part. I, I feel I, scripted. I feel scripted stuff is hard in general. Like if I do a live stream and it's not scripted, it just feels really loose. But if I do an episode, like when I did the Hamilton episode early on and I scripted the whole thing, I, like I felt really, really drained after. And I can't imagine uh, doing a whole documentary, a whole audio book. Like, I feel like people who do that straight, like a 14 hour audio book and stuff like that, like, they're real heroes. That, mm, that's like, I did audiobook shit too. Like, I did audiobook shit for the book we wrote for our audiobook. Yeah, but you guys were, you guys were tag teaming that, right? So that, we were that's, tag teaming, yeah. 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 So I think that's not, not as bad as like doing a straight documentary for however many hours you have to do yeah. it. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. I was pretty bad at that too, I thought, but reading scripted narration it i think even if you write it it's fucking difficult because it's oh like, yeah it is you i mean at least for me like i never imagined how i would enunciate like a sentence when it's coming out i think it's definitely an ability to be good at narration that's why i would have someone else here in the future like i've written bits for the show like uh, we definitely did that more uh when brendan was part of the show but the way we would always write them was like make them really loose so it wasn't we weren't exactly reading off this sheet of paper and just saying word for word it was just like the general gist of what we were gonna say but um no yeah again like yeah if i did it again i would absolutely have someone else do it but the writing it was fun writing it I loved, like, I had a great time writing it, and it's the longest thing I've ever written. Like, my original draft was, it would have worked out to probably three or four hours, and then the main thing is only about two hours. But once I sort of hit my stride with it, I, it was some of the most fun I've ever had writing anything. That's cool. Um, I was thinking about something you just said about uh, that you might be displaced by by an e-girl, possibly on Patreon and Patreon. And you know what? That's that's pretty good because I think this is a golden age of thirst. And I think if you're gonna lose out to, to number one spot to something, like I'd want it to be to an e-girl because oh, I feel absolutely. like that's. I feel like that's the most impossible. Like, I'd rather lose out to an e-girl than Jordan Peterson. Absolutely. I, like, I know, like, I know a bunch of people with, like, OnlyFans and shit like that. And, like, actually, one of my friends is, like, she's a huge OnlyFans creator, like, really up there. And she also did Patreon for a while. Like, Patreon to access uh, private Snapchat. And it's, like, I think that shit's cool. Like, it's, like, I never fucking understood people who get mad at that, ever. Like. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of people who, like, uh, snitch to the IRS on OnlyFans girls. Those people are fucking freaks. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with those people? Like that is the worst, most haterish shit I've ever it seen. Really is. It's like just let people. Like I, I have an appreciation for how how annoying it probably is to be like a hot woman on the internet because all my friends. All my friends, like, make fun of how bad my replies are usually, like, how bad, like, just, like, you know, the low B replies are, like, just people who just, like, uh, they have a Twitter that's just their full name, and they, they're, like, a degree or two of irony below, you know, people who spend all day on there, and people are, like, you know, it's, it's a running joke with a lot of my friends, just that my replies are the shittiest on the website, they never get jokes, <laughs> there's too, like, I don't think that's true of all of them, there's sometimes some gold in there, but... It does make me laugh. Oh, 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 oh you're, talking about, you're talking about your replies on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, man. But you know, like, on, a recent, on a recent episode, we actually said 
that about um Ch- uh, Chapo uh, reply guys. We're like, you know, uh, Chapo is like really funny, but like. 80% of reply guys are just people who just want to recite uh, chapel jargon back at you guys. And it's a weird thing to... You know what it reminds me of is when uh, stand-up, com- stand-up comedy stands have a certain type of stand that, yeah. um, that goes to the shows and tries to shout out the punchlines that they recognize. And it's like, why would that impress me that you're just regurgitating the punchline, uh, you know, back at me? But That is such fucking, like, antisocial behavior. We've had people yell <laughs> yeah. stuff out at shows that's actually funny and adds to it, but it's, like, definitely super situated. Like, people did it a lot in Chicago, but that was, like... It was like a fun chaos show and everyone there was really funny. So, but usually it sucks. But like, I guess my point, like I get annoyed by people who reply to me sometimes because it's just like, uh, there's a wide range of like bad replies. There are guys who are like trying to give you advice about something they don't know anything about. There are people like making a really shitty riff. There are people like being like, oh, I don't know about this one. But like, that's just only if I look at it. But that's like every hot woman's replies. No oh, one is yeah. more annoying to fucking hot women. Like they really, it's crazy. Like I feel the one person who probably gets the worst of all worlds because uh, she has a lot of overlap to um, your audience, but also she's popular as a girl is uh, Brandy Jensen. Like her oh my replies God, are, yeah. are, 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 are like a hellscape, and I occasionally forget myself and I reply to something that she says, and then I just get hit with twenty follow replies. And then when I ask her, I'm like, like how do you do that? Like how do you live? Like, like I got like a, a one hour window into what your life must be like, and it just seems. And she was like, yeah, I get kind of numb to it. She has probably the worst replies on the entire site. People like literally just hang out in their replies for a tweet. Like probably I've had that where it's like someone who doesn't even follow me is just hanging out in their replies. If like me and Brandy are having a conversation. Those are, I would say the shittiest. And I think it's because she's, yeah, at this intersection of things. She gets the worst type of replier, which is someone who like isn't a part of New York media, but is a fan of that scene, which is like psycho fucking behavior to me. You just get yeah. the strangest, most socially maladroit people in the world. Like, people who know about, like, the Sean McElwee blue and gold thing and, like, all that shit. But just, they live in, like, Madison, Wisconsin. They're just fans of the scene. But, you know, it's that's such a weird insane. thing to be a fan of. It is a very weird thing to be a fan of. But people uh, are. And it's kind of weird because I feel like it's like being a fan, a Xerox of a Xerox or something. Because, yes. like, because I, I don't think they really care about actual journalists that much or actual news but they care about you know the people who kind of critique it's the internet's like a weird thing it's very meta i it, but I, I know what you mean like i've i've met people who come from like out of town you know and they'll be like yeah you know i'm in town i'm in town you know let's meet i'm like no yeah i have no <laughs> idea who you are <laughs> like, yeah i like, never actually had a conversation with you it's like i'm getting a lot of that now with quarantine where it's like i'm getting these very strange messages that are like it's just someone I've never spoken to in my fucking life. I've never met them. And it's like, hey, I always thought you seemed like a cool guy. I'm interested in boxing. I wondered if you wanted to have a conversation. About it. <laughs> it's like, I feel bad for them because it's like, yeah, this shit. I mean, I'm I'm lucky because I have video games and I have like a bunch of friends who play them. And that's been good for now because you have sort of this social setting that you enjoy. And it's like, I would prefer to have the option to be able to go and do all the all, all this shit. But it's like been nice to have that like i hear other people's voices all the time and i have a bunch of other shit like my, my family's pretty close and we we do a lot of zoom calls and stuff but i imagine that's not everyone so it probably like if you've had to be inside for two months i would imagine it would make you go insane and do that 
I feel like what, something that kind of happened that got really weird is how everything kind of became a scene in a way that I think it wasn't before. Like, I think there's a lot of people who like politics and media is their hobby, whatever. But I think it's kind of become a kind of reinforcing thing where something like Chapel blew up. But as a result of that, it kind of created like I think you guys kind of created your own audience in a way like you guys probably yeah. had an audience because I think the, the kind of people that are into that kind of stuff were originally started out kind of small but as you guys blew up it ended up creating m more of this kind of person but like a weirder version of this kind of person because they got into it not because hey I just really uh already like this stuff I'm just on online and I like media and I'm politically curious to like hey this is like a place i can get laid like like weird stuff oh, like absolutely. that like yeah yeah which first off it's not but it's uh, it so isn't it's one of the yeah. least sexual things i've ever <laughs> like one of the least sexual like online communities maybe ever there's just like zero sexuality or residual sexuality to it it's actually insane like there's more, yes like a call of duty lobby has more sexuality than this yeah, well, it makes it even weirder that a lot of people will start gravitating to it, you know, because they think it's like a cool uh, scene. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. Like, you, know, you know, like when I um, first started attending like like some of the live live shows, not just of yours, but of different people and stuff. And you start realizing like, wow, for a lot of people, like, this is actually like a scene. Like it's actually like, like, like there's like the diehard fans who just really enjoy it. And then there's people who just uh, like, you ever go to sporting events and there's somebody who just shows up because they just want to be at the event, you know, Absolutely. but they don't know anything about yeah. boxing or they don't know anything like i started seeing people like that at podcasting events and media events like people you could tell don't even know anything about what's on the stage they just uh heard it's the place to be like i think it was like 20 i guess like 2017 or 18 when i first started noticing that like our first few shows like 2016 and 2017 like the ones that we did at genius and caroline's and shit it was like i could i could definitely divine who is just like you know someone who spends a lot of time on the computer and then slowly so like i saw more like couples and fucking stuff like that and there were a lot of like very normal appearing people who were actually into it and were like active in dsa or uh, you know any of this shit but there were also people who like i could tell yeah they just wanted to be they just i saw that a lot in california actually yeah uh, northern southern or all of it uh i would say southern yeah I mean, that kind of fits into the stereotype about how this is very conducive to scenes in, in general. Yeah, yeah. It is, that is something I never expected to happen. Well, it's like, it's a similar thing, like, when people, like, call us bros and shit. I could see, I don't agree with it, but I could see that, like, being leveled at me. But it's like, I just, like, I don't see how anyone doesn't scan us as just, like, huge fucking nerds. That's the thing that's great. Like, uh, one of two things happens: either people uh, scan you as big nerds, or people scan you. No, no, sorry. There are two things that I think happens. The most bad faith thing that happens: people scan you as actual bros, or they scan you as nerds pretending to be bros. And you know, from from knowing you guys, I feel like there's no pretense about anything. Nobody thinks they're a bro or buys into any type of bro self image. Like, I don't think either being bros or or believing themselves to be uh bros that are really nerds either one is really true i feel like you guys are pretty self-aware that you guys like what you do and you guys are like 
uh, big politics and media nerds and, you know, just getting to do what do what you like. But the characterization of you guys is so interesting. Like that woman, what's her name? Is it Gwen Snyder? This lady online. Oh, my God. Has she created, rules. She's created a major headcanon. She's created yeah. the most intense headcanon I think I've seen around you guys. Well, that was like, I usually never respond to, the, to that stuff. But it's like, that was one where it was like, it was just, it was so far out there that I believe people need to tell her to get help. Because it's like, I don't, like, whether someone or hates, hates you or not is not really your business all the time. Especially if you're a public figure and if people hate us or think what we do is corny or fucking whatever, like, you know, the, everyone has different tastes, whatever. Everyone has different tastes and people. But, just to, like, to, to, what that is, where it's like, we want people to become Nazis... <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's so fucking insane. It's so fucking insane. Like, even, like, some of the people that hate us the most do not, like, spend as much time or put as much energy into something so fucking insane as that. But she's, uh, ah, man, she's, like, I think she's just going to be on this forever. Yeah, because, she's like, very it, obsessed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing she posted where it was, like, we, where, like, our patrons fell by, yeah, I'd say we lost, like, <sighs> 50 or 60 and she was like in the month of uh april and she was like for the first time ever chapo has lost patreons we're doing <laughs> and, like we're doing and, and her theory this behind it was very vivid shit. right yeah that everyone read her thread <laughs> Not that, like they got fired or fucking realized they could pirate it <laughs> like you know, it's just that. It's so it's so insane. But if like I don't well, I, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. One thing one thing with that kind of person, and one thing I feel like with white liberals in general, um I don't know if she's literally a liberal, but she kind of acts like one. But there's this uh obsession with getting people fired and talking to the manager. Like that that yeah and there's no real manager to talk to in your guys' case. And I think that's kind of what breaks the brains a lot of times. Someone did do that once though. Someone wrote an article about us uh for like i've one of those women's magazines that i forget the name of in 2017 and she asked patreon if people complain about harassment to them like oh my god which is just a way of her to do it without like without fucking uh doing it directly just through the guise of journalism but so basically like, patreon is your manager in in her yeah but it's like yeah i mean I don't know. I just, I don't, what we do, I think is so, like, we just love talking about art. And it's like, yeah, I have, like, I have a different meter for what I think is okay to do publicly. I think it's, like, adjusted over time. I, but mine's still probably further than a lot of people in this space or a lot of people in, like, New York media. But I don't think I do anything that's, like, nowadays, that's, like, outrageously fucking offensive. Uh, let me ask you guys, uh, when she did that, like, how did you guys find out? Like, I thought Patreon actually reached out to you. No, was it no, in the no, article? no, no, Was it in the article that, that she, she mentioned that she did that? No, no, it was um, someone who worked there told me, but not as a way of like, hey, watch out for this. It was like, can you believe how psycho this is? Which oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, is well, insane behavior. One of the things that I wanted to talk about uh, in general, right? What I really want to talk about is political space, but kind of like the world around it and how it's all going to reorient itself uh and it's kind of hard to get a sense of any of this like like both the race and i think the move the movement around the race because i one thing i like well actually i'll ask you i don't know for uh one thing i like to think but i don't know if it's the case or not you might know better than me is i feel like it's not as 
centered around the personality of Bernie as, say, what Warren or Kamala or Hillary Clinton have going on, even though I think to a lot of uh, people, a lot of liberals, they kind of thought it was, and that if they just got rid of Bernie, everyone's going to fall in line. And I want to know your opinions about that. Like, well, first off, if there is, you think, a significant part that Bernie is to them what Hillary is to her fans, and if so, what proportion of the scene or the base do they make up? Just your thoughts in general about what's happened this year. I, well, I definitely think, I mean, I think it is significantly smaller than the amount of people, those respective movements, who are just, they like the personality. Like Elizabeth Warren, we found out, is clearly just this aspirational figure for a lot of people. Uh, Kamala, same thing. Hillary, like, absolutely. Um, with Bernie, like, I think there are some people who are just really into the guy because that will happen with anyone. But I mean, like, if it was as lockstep as, you know, these other candidates, well, there wouldn't be this whole thing of like, you know, a lot of Bernie supporters aren't going to vote for Biden. It just wouldn't be an issue because he he, he said he went out there. He, he endorsed him in the most uncertain or uh, most certain terms he could. And it's still this fucking issue. Um, yeah. And, and people are refusing to get on board for the most yes. part, as far as I can see. Biden has a weird base. It, because it's not really his base it's funny like biden's has like the base of leftovers like it's like uh he was running far behind for like a while nobody really cared and then some kind of weird back alley deal was brokered where everyone who was ahead of him just kind of agreed to just get out and dump the support behind him and it's like i call it a free-floating stand energy where people just have this need to stand something so now suddenly you have this appearance of so-called biden bros but they're not really i just think they would have stand anybody that the dnc i think they're really dnc bros or dnc dnc ladies like whereas warren and kamala i think genuinely have stands around their personality they're the people who love warren in a very warped way aspirationally and same with kamala harris they're not letting it go uh, but Biden, I, I know I'm not buying anybody who's really riveted or no, absolutely not. Biden. Absolutely not. Like anyone who's really into Biden isn't on Twitter. Like it just, I, <laughs> exactly. I don't, fu- I don't fucking believe it. Um, the, yeah, no, I mean, if you, anyone who's acting like a Biden stand in these like online spaces, their thing is just like spite. It's just complete spite. Yeah, it's is total that, spite. Oh, total. fuck you. We did it. We fought. We stopped Bernie. Fuck you. He's my guy now. And like, you only, you really don't have to go back to far. You have to go back to like mid 2019 because I feel like every few months, liberals, like online media liberals and just online liberals, they get a set of opinions that they can use to launder their other shit where they can pretend to be a lot further left than they are and it's usually just a completely safe position for the space they're in and for online liberals it was joe biden's bad and that was an easy position for them to take because another establishment candidate in kamala uh sort of battered him a little bit at uh one of the first debates and his campaign actually his support looked actually very hollow And it was an easy position to take where even if they would end up supporting Biden, like they even even though they supported candidates who were really of ideologically the exact same stripe as Biden because of Biden's past, because of his racism, because of how out of touch he was. It was easy for them to be like, well, yeah, I'm actually the progressive wing of the party. I'm against Joe Biden. I'm for, you know, fucking Pete Buttigieg. Uh, 
And it's so funny to look back on that now because it's like those people are all completely fucking for Biden. And not yeah, just yeah, they're completely and, and, for and they're acting like they're acting like what we saw didn't happen. Yeah. And they are acting like the stuff they are doing for Biden is insane. The stuff, it's so funny because they were like they thought they were getting one over on everyone by pretending that they were any better than Biden or his supporters. And now they're just they're destroying the Me Too movement for him. They're denying history. They're saying like actually busting was a very complicated issue. These same fucking people who used to make all these allusions to some type of like radical racial politics that they never actually held. It's amazing. What they're doing for him is amazing because he would never fucking do that for any of them. He doesn't give a fuck about them. No, not at all. But it's like, and, and that's kind of a big problem that a lot of people are having now too, is a lot of the uh, grifters who just go from camp to camp, a lot of them actually aren't happy about Biden because they can't really penetrate that. You know, you know, he, he's not really chasing the social media crowd. No. He's not really trying to get um, a bunch of... Um, Twitter blue check pundits and and court them to be his um like he's he's actually I think less online savvy than Obama is I think he's kind of old school in how he how he does things and and Warren was really trying to be like uh hello kids she was really trying to be that Steve Buscemi meme yeah you know and she, and she got like all these uh, social justice influencers and stuff and it got her nothing she got like every uh Black Lives Matter and intersectional feminists and all this stuff and on the ground you know in South Carolina she came in fourth like. This have a black people who vote like uh black boomers black boomers love voting you know yeah, yeah. Uh, they love voting boomers in general love voting but but black boomers like really love voting i think because they're from that generation where it's a you know big deal for winning the right to vote so it's like you know you have to vote and those people that warren got in her camp did absolutely nothing for her whereas all joe biden did i don't think joe biden even planned to do as good as South Carolina as he did. I think it was a shock as much to his people as opposed to anybody else that uh, there were so many black people who had residual affection for Obama that transferred to to him, you know? And I think that, like, my theory is that that's really what made them all reorient behind him because they were like, look, the... Um, the Joy Reeds and the um, white liberals of the world, the centrist types, they're all going to vote for whoever is a mainstream establishment candidate anyway. We don't have to worry about them. But everyone else from uh, number two guy, Pete Buttigieg, down to Elizabeth Warren, no one's getting uh, the black vote. And we don't want a repeat of Hillary where the black people don't come out and it makes all the difference. So I think really just on that one thing, South Carolina, they made everyone else get out and said, look, this guy has like the black vote. Uh, let's go with him. Everyone throw the support behind him and we'll all give you something after. I think this, that's the reason why Elizabeth Warren took so long to get out because she was the oldest. So she's like, I don't have any time to bargain. Like I'm, yeah. she's the second oldest behind uh, Biden. So she's like, oh, I could wait eight years. You know, Buttigieg's like, hey, whatever. I don't care. I'm just, I'm, I've been planning for this my whole life. I have a lot of time to- i got the to, rest uh, of my life to wait for this. Yeah, yeah. And same with like um, Kamala Harris, you know, has has time and stuff. But yeah, I think that's why Warren held out. But yeah, it's funny to see all these people not pretend that they're Biden stands. And it's and he doesn't need he doesn't need that camp that Kamala and Elizabeth Warren and stuff were trying to do. He got the most important section of the black vote. It's just doing nothing but being Jim Crow Joe and not even trying to court them, really, you know? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, And I do think it's. I am see that is I want to 
uh, go to something you said that I think is very interesting about how impenetrable Biden world is. This is something I've thought about a lot, how little access the liberal media grifters have to Biden world. Biden world is like a collection of freaks. It's a bunch of Delaware fucking imbeciles and like Biden's family. And, it, you know, yep. it is funny how much he actually mirrors Trump. Because there was yeah, a yeah, similar exactly. thing where the Republican Party, their main problem with Trump really was that they didn't have access to Trump world. And with with Biden, like I saw this clip on on uh, MSNBC of people being uh, of of uh, like people who do this sort of thing, like the like all this shit Elizabeth Warren and Julian Castro paid for where it's getting like social justice media influencers to co-sign their campaign. I saw um, I'm not I wasn't aware of who all everyone was but a couple of them were like that thing they're they're social justice like uh influencers and they were on msnbc and they were talking about how like well the biden campaign hasn't reached out to us and like so he risks throwing the general election because we can get black people to vote for him and it's like if any of this shit worked, wouldn't Kamala have one? Wouldn't have a uh, Warren? Warren? None of oh, this oh, shit. Oh, for sure. no, no, none of this shit worked. Like, I, 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 I talk about the one on on Joy Reid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just did a live stream about that too. Like, those are all people who actually. Some people in the panel actually did work for Warren and Kamala, and that's not even made even even funnier. You're right. Not only that type of person, but some of those literal people were in those people's camp, and they couldn't deliver in South Carolina. So. Warren Warren lost the black vote in South Carolina to Pete Buttigieg. Um, it, it, it's it, it is. I think it's sour grapes at this point that it's like it, it's. I think I don't know. I saw a question in the email about like whether we feel like you know how like how dead wrong we may have gotten it with this primary, right? Like how it seemed so in the bag. And then after South Carolina, it fucking all fell apart. And I think that's I, I think that's like undeniable. And you know, we were we were wrong in the end. There's no two ways about it. We were completely fucking wrong because we thought it was a done deal after Nevada. We thought they couldn't stop. We didn't we did not think they would kill themselves so much to take it back. Um but 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 like the the other thing is though, like Okay. Um, the the and this kind of goes to the first question I see here about what do I think normie outreach to people over like forty five, especially. Oh, uh, oh, also, also to give them people a little context about what you're talking about. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's reading. Um, you know, for people who are patrons and on the Discord, they have the opportunity to know who's going to be a guest beforehand and to pose questions. So I sent uh, Felix an email that was um, a list of questions that uh listeners had so that's what he's reading from now that that's what he's talking oh, about right, right, you guys right, are yeah. wondering what's what's the email oh yeah sorry uh but i think so those kind of dovetail because one of the reasons that we ended up being wrong is because well in 2018 and 2019 i was like biden's gonna fucking win because everyone wants to feel normal again but then after the collapse after iowa after nevada how could you still fucking think that and also i don't think i think it would be pretty fucked up if while the bernie campaign was going on that i was like biden's gonna win you know if i was saying that in like fucking december a because it was completely not apparent that he was anymore it looked like he was collapsing but b 
because like well, we're trying to do something here we're we're, tr- we're trying to we're trying to go for this huge sort of last ditch effort and it's like i don't want to fucking tell everyone that i think biden's gonna win i mean i also didn't at that time even if i did think that earlier but one of the reasons i would say that we ended up being wrong is there is a huge part of the democratic electorate that's hugely affected by cable news right but there's also a huge chunk of it that went for biden despite agreeing with bernie on all these things who are not reached by either really cable news uh by especially not by online media and whatever like i always thought it was funny when people would be like sort of try to opportunistically like rip into us after the bernie collapse like oh good job you fucking idiots it's like no we don't appeal to the people who ended up voting for Biden. Neither do you. Neither does anyone you know. Neither does anything you watch. Where they get political information from and how they process it is a complete fucking black box to me, you, and everyone. Yeah, yeah. It totally is. And I kind of get annoyed that people – like it's almost treated as whining to say, oh, it's the um, media bias thing. And I think one of the reasons why people say that is because it sounds very right-wing. People are used to the uh, right-wingers saying that. So they feel like, oh, if I say the, the media is biased, I'm going to sound like a right-winger. So everyone tries to examine these things in a vacuum, like saying, what could Bernie have done to get his message out? Where did his message go wrong? And it, to me, it's like it's like a tree um, falling in the forest with nobody to hear it. He could have said anything. No matter what he said, they were going to take a soundbite and switch it to something else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, therein lies the issue of the Bernie campaign and sort of the issue with running a national campaign within the Democratic Party against the Democratic Party business as usual. Trump resonated with Republican voters attacking the Republican establishment and the media because it was, I mean, it was them sort of reaping the whirlwinds of the Tea Party movement. That's That became part of the ethos of the Republican Party. But Democrats generally like other Democrats, as fucked up as that may seem. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not like exactly a very uh, reliable national electoral method. Uh, but Democrats, your problem lies in the fact that Democrats just think other Democrats are good. And, and I, and, I at first, like right after it happened, I was just so pissed about everything. I was like, Bernie should have fucking attacked the media. He should have fucking did this and that. And it's like, I don't know how well attacking the media would have worked now with Democratic voters because yeah, they and, are. And, yeah. and it wouldn't have worked because who would be depended on to report the attack on the media is the media. And they're going to yeah. chop it up. You know, you know, it, it would be like if you and someone else had a debate, but they get the final custody of the audio. Yeah. You know, so so uh, and they already should have not trust. Worthy. What are you gonna do? Like, like yeah. it doesn't because I think this is a big difference between uh, liberals, leftists, and right wingers. Um, is that I feel like right wingers are just naturally skeptical people in general. So, like, people have this idea of um, right wingers just being these dumb rubes that watch Fox News all day, and it's not totally wrong. But people don't realize that liberals are not that different they just have their fox news is split into like five stations yeah you know yes but they're not much better but the other thing is even fox news people um fox news comports itself to chase its electorate and what i mean by that is if fox news was to say something that wasn't radical enough or wasn't what they were doing like for example when, those, when that whole never trumper business was going on and all that stuff fox news wouldn't have been able to just sink trump fox news couldn't just say hey and, and 
I kind of realized this when I um I listened to an audio book this past year of um the Roger Ailes biography. I think it's called Loudest Voice in the Room. Yeah. And what really struck me about it, right, is I feel like the MSNBCs and the CNNs of the world, like they get their talking points from like the DNC, or whatever, and they kind of dictate what you're supposed to believe. The the liberal pundits, the John Olivers of the world, and all that stuff. And I feel like the NPR tote, tote bag crowd follows that lead. But the, what I found really interesting when I was reading or listening to uh, the Roger Ailes book, they're chasing the opinion on the ground. And they realize if we don't say uh, the right thing, like for example, if they say something and the t- the talk radio fringe is saying something different and what the talk radio fringe is saying they like more, their base will leave them at any given uh, point. Like National Review does not have any sway or like whatever the liberal version of National Review is, say it's like Atlantic or NPR or whatever, that, you know, heady intellectual crowd, a lot of liberals will comport themselves to that point of view. Whereas uh, the, the average like Republican voter, they don't care about National Review. To them, National Review is like one step away from the liberal snob that they make, that they make fun of at the Atlantic. Um, I think also, I mean, like the thing I ultimately thought that this election was about was whether you could get Americans who had been beaten down and told that their lives were worth nothing, both by Republicans and by Democrats, either directly or indirectly, to have self-respect and to have believe affirmatively that they deserve dignity in their lives. And I think generally what I found out was something I've respect, I've suspected for a while. I think conservatives have a lot more self-respect than liberals and have a lot more self-respect than a lot of Democrats. I think like the things that they expect for themselves and expect to be given, they're stupid, they're awful, they're like, they're fucking racist and oftentimes world destroying, but they do believe that they deserve it for themselves. And I don't, I, I, I think Democrats, a lot of them, most of them believe in Medicare for, they think Medicare for all is a good idea. They think all these things are good ideas, but they don't necessarily seem to think that they deserve it. Yeah. And, and, and not yeah, They don't think they deserve it, but they also don't even think it's a good thing because they're kind of told it's not a good thing and they just accept it. Like there's this kind of like, when you can something like the West Wing, I know it's kind of trendy to make fun of the West Wing now and stuff, but there is this kind of thing about the worship of a Jed Bartlett type or in real life, an Obama type or the DNC, that's almost different than the one of Republicans and Trump that I think is almost worse. And what I mean by that is they think that this person is like a benevolent person that is, if they tell you, you know, that's not only do you not deserve it, it's actually not good for you uh, to have that. They'll just be like, well, if you say, if you say so, uh, yeah. yeah. And then just go ahead and march. Whereas I think, I think the people who like worship Trump just want to stomp on liberals or stomp on minorities or stomp on on whatever but they even though like you said what even though what they um want or blame is stupid in their mind that person is giving them what they want and if that person stops giving them what they want they're going to go somewhere else no yeah it's they i mean maybe it's like suburban entitledness or some things but it, it I, it's just that was the saddest thing of the prime that was the true saddest story to me because like when we were in Bernie, no one fucking talks about it now, but Bernie stomped California. He fucking destroyed everyone. And you know, one of the reasons he did that was because he was the first Democrat in fucking God knows how long to go to Central Valley and places like that to go to the middle of California where, yeah, Democrats 
just don't give a fuck about these people. I mean, Democrats don't give a fuck about anyone in California if you look how that state's run and the lives of people there and the fucking abject misery you see. But they went out to them and were like, you deserve human dignity. You deserve you deserve rights. You deserve a life with meaning, not on precarity. And p- those people in the Central Valley fucking went out and did that and were like, yes, we deserve these things. Yeah, we're going to take these things. Yes, yes, yes. And then like, you know, I was like, that was like the silver lining, right? On Super Tuesday. But then it was like, after that, Illinoisans didn't think that. Michiganders didn't think that. And it was just fucking crushingly sad. They just wanted the primary to be fucking over. And people's affirmative desire for self-respect only went so far. And what beat it was, yeah, people being told that they don't want these things, that they're not good for them, that don't worry, Joe Biden's Joe's going to look after you. Joe's the safe choice. You just want this to be over, right? Democrats shouldn't fight. Yeah, the amount of liberals that's repeating the mantra, how are we going to pay for this, you know? Yeah. was just ama- amazing to me. Like, you know, better things are impossible. That's just the liberal uh, mantra, you know? That's Yeah. Well, I think, like, but, yeah, I guess going back to everything originally, like, it's a double-edged sword for them. Because I don't even think they fully know why those people fell in line for Biden so quick. And it's sort of a curse because, I mean, one of the points of a primary— and a long primary, especially sometimes, is you figure out who is and who isn't like a fucking idiot on your campaign. The fact that Biden was just sort of given this for being there the longest, for sticking it out, that means we don't know how incompetent everyone on his staff is. I mean, we have a good idea. They can't seem to run a fucking video call. Nope, not at all. Yeah. And I mean, I do. I'm also I'm not a Biden doomer. Like, I think he has actually a far better shot of winning than I, I said the only two candidates that could beat biden or beat trump are biden and bernie i think biden has a shot but i also think if he doesn't win it's because he was given this primary in this manner and because whatever fucking voodoo he does to reach out to these normal glum americans that worked in the primary i don't know if he can replicate it nationally yeah a big problem i think biden's going to have is first he's rapidly deteriorating like yes in real time like right now he's like our room temperature yogurt he's just like you know hour by hour he's visibly getting worse the level to which and i guess in a weird way covid's been kind of a gift to them because there's a expectation of less visibility anyway the level to which they've kept him out of the spotlight is insane to me and if god forbid if like, like if, if Bernie was candidate and he was out of the spotlight like this, the liberals would be going crazy, you know, yes. but everyone's acting like, oh, it's normal to hibernate for seven days. You know, it's what he's supposed to do. And, and then pop up for a disastrous um, media appearance, you know, and then disappear again. Like, that's that's perfectly fine. That's why that's why he should be doing like like they're they're like that that dog meme with the fire. And, like you know, yeah. oh, this this is fine. But the thing that's like um, craziest to me about everything that's that's happening i think um with the deterioration happening right there but also the level to which has been untested and this is where i think is a valid criticism of bernie is that he never wanted to go for the jugular even when it was down to just the two of them um a lot of these things are going to be very untested when it's time to go to trump and and trump's already getting ready to mock these things do you see the 404 error message yeah oh yeah that shit was hilarious i mean like like i so it was easier to say that I thought Biden was going to beat Trump because it's sort of the perfect ending for all this, like the perfect capstone on this in 2018. He has experienced significant mental decline since then. I don't know how much Americans give a shit. I mean, you could say that 
I mean, you could kind of say Trump's like senile and an idiot, but Biden is clearly further has fucking dementia. Clearly, I think I think America cares, but not for the right reasons. I think they think uh, Trump's dementia or, or decline is cool because it leads to like incredible dunks and and I don't give a fuck maverick attitude. Whereas yeah. Biden's one just looks like befuddled. Like like I would I, I feel like um. Trump is losing it in a way that just makes him uh, cooler than me, man. You know, like like Trump's put downs are just really good. There's no way to deny it. He's really good at the art of the put down. He what he did to Jeb Bush is like the stuff of legend. Like that is he's like a master, like real life troll, actual online troll. And I just don't see Biden standing a chance. And I think that's the reason why they're going to care about his dementia, not because they care about competence on the job or anything, but just the optics of him looking foolish. That's that's what I think going to be the problem for Biden with his dementia. Yeah, that's a huge that is a huge issue. Like do you remember in 2018 when Joe was going like if I if I ever heard anyone talk about women the way Trump did, I would take him out back and kick his ass. It was like it was stupid and everyone groaned at it, but it was like knowing what I know about Americans, that's when I was like he could win. Exactly. Because, because Americans are Americans like love stupid shit. Like that. They love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They like yeah, especially if it's the super shit wins. If you look like a winner, they'd rather have a stupid guy who looks like a winner than a smart guy who looks like a loser. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I, and Biden is a stupid man and he always has been. Yeah. But he but he used to be a stupid guy that you could mistake for a winner, whereas now he looks like a stupid guy you gotta you know put in a rocking chair and just leave in the corner somewhere. And I think that's when his stupidity is going to um hurt him. If he was like as dumb as ever, but seeming like he's a cowboy and you're gonna kick ass, I think he'd be okay. And I, and I think um that's what I think worries me about him. That and the idea that he's gonna have to defend a lot of this stuff on the fly way too late because uh the public won't be inoculated against it because everybody had kid gloves against them. Um, the only person that I saw who really kind of took a chance to go at him was Kamala Harris, that one debate where she tore into him. But other than that, people... Castro, I think Castro asked questions about his basic competence. And that was... I remember everyone... I mean, I really dislike Castro. I think he's one of the most cynical actors in democratic politics. He's just a complete fucking fraud. But... He did ask a very fair question. Basically, Biden knew where he was, and people act like acted like it was fucking unfair at the time. But he did try to warn everyone. Uh, I mean, that's here's what if I was working for Trump and I was like, you know, how do we win this? You have to make Biden look like what he is, which is like this stupid old baby that the entire party's taking care of. This hobbled, weak baby, and it's like, yeah, he's got his work cut out for them him there, like. It's like everyone is just taking care of this decaying infant. Yeah, the the, the comparison like uh, I've used, I've seen other people use, is like um, weekend at Bernie's, where people are just kind of walking this this body around, just pretending everything's fine, you know, and yeah, just propping him up, and you know, I think no one's gonna notice that they're propping this thing up. Um, but to go back to the question that the listener asked, I didn't leave names on this, so I forgot who asked this, but like, what do you think the reaching out to people? over 45 is going to be like you know uh, in the future because i don't think we can do it through traditional media uh channels and, and i think a big problem is like right-wingers of all ages and demographics i think are very open to alternative media they, they don't even they're not as slavish to fox as I, people think you know i think i think they listen to fox mostly because fox mirrors what's happening 
under other modes of um, communication. If anything, uh, Fox will recruit like the Milos and the Breitbart types and whatever. They kind of have a, a pipeline in a way that the mainstream media is not going to draft to the major leagues from like the online left or the podcast left that's not that's not going to happen like there's, there's right. a hostility between the legacy liberal media the left-wing alternative media in the way that there's not on on the right you know um people kind of tend to fall in line and they kind of recruit from their their weirdos like like, like daily caller gets actual like white nationalist bloggers <laughs> like yeah fringe weirdo yeah. reactionary um uh, bloggers like, like they literally get those types you know um so like what do you think the solution is because 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 to me i think it's a hard that's a hard nut to crack i think it's hard to uh break that well i think that if we're gonna look for silver linings in the bernie campaign of which there are i think there are actually many like there were some major victories bernie did great in states where they had a significant organizing presence in i think a lot of problem one of the reasons they lost south carolina by such a big margin it was like they barely tried there uh but this is so this is good news and bad news. I think that you can get a significant amount of poor people to vote, a significant amount of, you know, I guess you could say normies to vote or be politically involved. However, I think it would take at least a decade of organizing. I think that if you can get them involved and you could make people realize that they should have these things are are, are inalienable rights as human beings like healthcare. Uh, like just a, a life of dignity, being treated like a human being, I think, you know, potentially sky's the limit. But I think all this is easier said than done. Everyone loves saying organized. They don't even know what they mean. I don't really even know what it means. I don't know what it would look like. It would take a sustained effort with a financial network the size and scale of the Bernie campaign. I think it's hard to channel all that into a more amorphous and less linear infinite goal than getting Bernie Sanders to the White House. I think that's your entire problem. I think if you could get maybe even like half of what the Bernie campaign had working towards that goal of organizing poor communities with full-time organizers and shit, you could, you could get a lot out of that. But I don't know how much of a will there is right now. I also think in general, people aren't used to thinking, in American politics in general, of the idea of a 10, 20, 30 year ground game. I don't think we're really yeah. built like that. We're not built like that as a, like like Barry Goldwater, whether he planned to or not, basically ended up being the start of a decades long ground game that led to Ronald Reagan and, you know, a good run for the Republicans. But if you read like Pearlstein's book, you know, like I'm not saying Goldwater did it with this goal. He was trying to win, but that machine that he had, uh, just got to brass tacks and tried to do a ground game and tried to build a lot of local politics and change things on the ground level. And I think now we're at a very shoot for the top mindset. Like I think a lot of people don't even know who their local politician are, or there's a lot of people who think posting is going to do it. Like there are really, there are literally people who think just posting is going to, uh, make change you know but the idea of going to their local dsa meeting or community board meeting or that stuff is is foreign to them you know yeah no absolutely so um, I think that's going to be a tough thing no well i mean the the unfortunate thing is that now like the online left space it, it, it dovetails with everyone's desire every young person's desire to have a career from micro celebrity that's what um, they think about it too for real that's a huge problem I mean, I don't even know how many people are posting because they like it or posting because they don't want to have a job, which I get it, you know, 
I, I, I was terrified. I, I was terrified of like working a career I didn't like my entire life. And now I get to do this. It's great. It's like the best thing that's ever happened to me. But it's also like, I think you, when everyone wants that, you get like a less serious. It's weird. It, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's both like you, people are like less serious and want this less, but they also, the posts are worse. Like the posts are really shitty because everyone's just like writing an algorithm. You, the, you that's, get the that's worst a of both big worlds. Part of it. If, yeah, yeah. It's like how many times, like if, if somebody just makes a horrible tweet uh, and there's already 50 people in there saying delete this or putting uh the same drill tweet i try yeah. to think what is the mind that says you know what i think my 51st tweet saying the same thing is going to really have an effect it's going to be noticed like you know it's like that thread doesn't even need you at this point like why do you feel compelled to just do the same algorithmic uh tweet that 50 people have done in this person's mentions it's not, yeah, it's not that, even clever it's like i think it's almost like the behavior of like have you ever like watched like footage of like the New York Stock Exchange or like the Chicago uh like commodities exchange like on days where there's like a big market crash or rally? That's what it feels like to me. Because it's like it looks like complete chaos, but everyone is going down there kind of with their own plan that works in concert with everyone else's they're just exploiting market dynamics maybe if i'm like midway down on this tweet i'll get screenshotted by a mid-sized account and it will go viral because you know they said something like i can't believe this website's free and i'm one of like 20 replies saying the identical thing and maybe i get followed by like a mid-tier account and then like blah 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 oh, oh it, yeah it's like, yeah it, th yeah that's a good point when when a buzzfeed or some other place does their coverage of the thing and it's very common for them now to put like 20 tweets into the story yeah their tweet might become one of those uh 20 tweets that's in the like like, like remember story storify that site that yeah uh, yeah 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 a lot of mainstream media now is basically storified they're basically paying journalists to do storify um uh, stories they're just like um they're getting 20 good tweets and they're writing a narrative around tweets that's like a real brand of journalism now and it's and it's crazy but i think a lot of people tweet in in service of that like they hope to get uh, featured in one of those articles yeah storify like storify is probably one of those places like favestar that just like produced zero revenue and just like didn't renew its domain in like 2013 <laughs> but they should get royalties for inventing this fucking business model like buzzfeed yes. should pay them for real yeah and not just buzzfeed but even like supposedly serious place because at least oh, yeah, CNN supposed does this yeah yeah exactly at least buzzfeed is supposed to be like um the poochie of journalism like you know at least it makes a little bit more sense for them to do it but the actual like uh, washington post will be doing cnn will be doing stories like this washington post had someone they hired to work the black twitter beat and he made a black twitter column and and that was like ridiculous it lasted like three weeks because <laughs> everyone on black twitter just like mocked it he became like an actual meme you know because first off no one on black twitter even knew who this guy was and he had this huge flat top from like the 80s and he looked like one of those you ever see those old like 90s cartoons where the black character had like a flat top but it was like no fade and it was like yeah um, the black kid from captain planet and the black kid from the burger king happy meal thing like he had that <laughs> yeah. kind of haircut you know like and people were like yeah, who is this guy nobody even knows who he is but i'm telling you if they try that again now I, I bet it would work oh absolutely yeah it is literally like four or five years too early no yeah it's another case of being too ahead of the time yeah yeah exa exactly like um like they were just so ahead of the decline like they 
were almost uh, prescient with it. Yeah, but it'll totally, but, it'll totally work now. Yeah, that Storify business model, that, um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if CNN just starts doing um, a live stream just of a Twitter timeline. You know, it'll just be, just start airing that for like an hour or something. Yeah, or, I, it does almost seem like day trading, like for early 20s, like lefties. It's the same type of thing. The other problem is, though, I don't know how you get rid of that. Micro celebrity is the most alluring thing to a young person because the career prospects of a young person are so fucking grim. I mean, it, that, there we go. That's our double edge. That's the that it's a sort of chicken and egg thing. How do you get these posts to be less shitty and the online left better? Well, you have to make a better country where people are entitled to rights and as workers or even just like working working a fucking lower middle class job in the office. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you have to have a more serious left in America. Well, how do you do that? You yeah, you have to. <laughs> perform the yeah no yeah. i mean yeah. but but you know the thing too i think uh, is a problem is that i think in general you can't get a lot of people in anything and the quality remains good because the sad truth is yeah most people yeah. are not that original they're not that clever so i think that's kind of hurt the space in that i think the online left or so-called weird twitter which i don't think anybody actually called themselves that i don't know where that moniker came from but um it was a small enough group that most people could be um really really clever you know you can actually have most people in it but most people aren't that clever so most of these people are just like one year out of being normies you know, so yeah, when they get into the space, they can't uh, create like a, a drill type post. They 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 can't they can't do that. They, they can't construct a tweet like Rob Delaney. They can't construct a tweet like you or Will Menninger or, or whoever. So you join this space, you feel like you want to be like your heroes, and you're not gonna be able to create a new a new phrase. You're not gonna be able to create a new format like like what um Randy G Dub does is like you know art. There should be some way to monetize that or something it's like it should be uh he should be well known you know uh that post office tweet that randy g-dub did where he said like another day in the post office tearing up absentee ballots like that's that's like a modern day like andy kaufman stuff you know most people can't can't do that so what did they do they just um well, I feel I feel bad for Randy because Randy's made so many like amazing fucking posts and people have run his formats into the ground. And now they become yes. like like that's an example an ex of a type of genre of tweet I fucking hate now is when someone's like, oh, I worked in a fucking hospital and I killed. It's like, no, Randy already did that. And he did that better than anyone else. And he like got on the news doing it. But it's like now we just think that's think that joke format's like it just it scans as being hack even though the guy that did it wasn't doing it to like start a media career he just thought it was funny and it was yeah like and he, it was generally funny so because of the novelty of it it was brand new and and now you're just doing it as it, it it's like the ver it's like the family guy joke where uh it's funny because you recognize it. simon is a good joke it's just like um hey i, I know that joke you know and, and that's and that's it yeah he, I mean, no, I mean, I, I think a lot of people like they have a lot of kids on the website, which is to say, like, they, uh, they're just dozens of fucking people, a lot of them with like actually huge accounts who just their entire thing is like imitating what someone else did while the first person to do that. Yeah, and Randy, some of people will get bigger the than the original people. Yeah, Randy might have the most imitators, uh, at least on this part of Twitter.
all right y'all so that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good